Well, welcome to the Next Steps podcast. My name's Matt, and in a minute I'll be joined by Anne, and a little later on uh, by Gus. But today, as we do every uh, Tuesday, we take a look at what we were talking about on Sunday and ask, so how is this relevant for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Before we go too much further, we want to acknowledge and pay our respects to the first Tasmanian peoples as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on. We also pay respects to elders past, present and emerging and for their care and country and seas over the past thousands of generations. Now, uh, I'm here and Anne, you're with Hi. us. <laughs> and uh, I believe we've got uh, uh, three people already with us uh, live. So if we'd, we'd value your comments uh, and uh, an input as we take this uh, journey uh, with the, the Next Steps podcast. Now, what we do is take a look at what we're talking about on Sunday, and uh, and and you uh, let us in a prayer that sort of led into the to the message. Wouldn't have even heard as we start there because that sort of led us into this discussion. The prayer you prayed was actually a hymn. Yep. Yes, a guy called Walter Matham, who wrote it in 2019, uh, sorry, 1915. And um, I guess I chose, there was a, a story behind choosing that prayer because I'd actually had a look at the Bible reading that you were going to speak to. And, and then it quite, the first two lines of the first verse kind of spontaneously kind of popped into my head and I started singing them. And I, at the time I thought, oh, gosh, where on earth did that come from? Because this would get, this is going back into my childhood now when I would have sung that song because we don't sing hymns all that often anymore. And I thought about it and I'm thinking, well, I wonder, I, I wonder if this is my spirit's response to... Um, what I just read and the more I thought about it and the more I thought it was and I had a look at the whole of the words which talk about I want to walk in your footsteps steps Lord I want to march where you've marched I want yeah. to um I want your heart your hand your spirit to strengthen my hand and um use your sword of truth the way you want me to and all, a whole lot of other commitments if you like and as a prayer it sat really well as you um, as you spoke um, into um, what it means to follow Jesus, follow his way, Absolutely. be his student. Yeah, yeah it, re it really led well into the, the whole conversation. And speaking of leading into the conversation, g'day, <laughs> Gus. Welcome. Hello. G'day. Have you got my audio okay? We do. We've got your audio okay. Oh. And we got. We also got to say hello to Wendy Cully, who's watching and has just sent us a message. Okay. Hi, uh, Wendy. So it is. This is kind of cool. We don't, this is only the second time we've attempted to do the Next Step podcast live, uh, which does mean if you're watching, we'd love your input. Uh, this, is, this is a very different platform, Matt, and I'm not used to the way this is set up. So I haven't got the camera I was going to use, but it's all good. Yeah, no, we can see you. We can hear you. That's that all works, which is great. Um, so I, I'll dive in. Like my intent was, I was wrestling with it. Um, well, I actually had. Gus, what part of what was leading thinking my thinking as I was preparing for this? I mean, we're working our way through Matthew ten, but what really framed my thinking was this book that you and I have read, uh, which I actually I think I have the cover of it here. Here we go. I've just got rid of myself like that. There we go. <laughs> the uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry, um, and uh, and his whole question of what does it mean to to be a follower of Jesus uh, in this moment. I mean, you'd been talking to me about this book for quite a while before I actually got around to engaging with it. What was it about that book that got you in? Well, oh, there's your phone. No, that's okay. We'll get back to that in a minute. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, the thing that struck me about it, I suppose, is that it was. It's very simple. It's a very simple hypothesis that he's making. And it's actually pretty profound, but I found it quite challenging because I think mm. it's it's a bit of an anathema to me, the way I live my life and the way I feel like I'm wired and built. It's just not a sort of a normal starting point for me. So, so you know, I guess I was quite attracted to it because I think it's actually 
pointing at a sort of an underlying way that I go about things that possibly is not all that helpful. And so just to be a bit more you know, transparent about that, his, one of his hypotheses is, is if you're just constantly rushing and you're you know, forever looking to move to the next thing, you've got a very sort of achievement orientation and you want to you know, push through things and not be hampered, he's got a sort of a, a thesis under there that that's sort of almost antithesis to spirituality and to, to listening and to listening to a voice that we know is a still small voice at times and, you know, won't necessarily come and interrupt your hurried schedule. It's when you suspend that schedule and when you create space and sit in that space and, and wait and listen and be, you know, a lot more, you know, just slow down that you might actually engage with God, engage with, you know, what he's saying to you, hear his spirit and, you know, and actually learn something rather than just learning it by activity. It's sort of more learning by slowing down and listening. And, yeah, that's a challenge for me. Um, mate, me too. Uh, in fact, Leanne and I were listening again to sort of towards the end uh, this morning and we both said, I don't know if we like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about getting rid of your TV and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, we'll talk more about that. But uh, as we dive into this, I mean, I started because we're working our way through Matthew chapter 10 and, and Jesus says the student is a, isn't above the teacher nor a servant above his master. It's enough for the student to be like their teachers. Uh, I pointed out that the word there for student actually isn't very helpful for me because I, I don't know about you, but I... I didn't have a particularly enjoyable time in school and, and the idea of student and teacher, I have a picture of rows of desks and a teacher and being bored, really. Uh, but the, the word methetes actually is best understood in Australian lingo as, as a, an apprentice, as sort of the hands-on, at-the-shoulder kind of thing. And, and basically Jesus is saying our task is to be like him. And, and that's what that book is talking about, that, that you don't accidentally do that. You've actually got to create some space, some margin in your life. To, you got to, when very, and what we said was, and I actually put up this diagram, I don't know if it'll work now, I'm going to get rid of myself again here. Uh, there we go. Uh, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and Jesus is what, that's what he, Jesus is saying. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. Uh, and that Jesus is kind of the intersection. And I, I, I think that we in the Christian church have sort of, I don't know, focus, I think probably because of the Protestant Reformation, uh, which was really needed and important, but we focused on ideas a fair bit. And so we've been a bit, and been a bit worried about, particularly in some circles, you'll hear about works righteousness and worrying about that kind of gear, uh, worrying about putting too much emphasis on doing stuff. But, but Jesus actually pretty well. He made it clear that you can you know, he is the way as well as the truth and the life. Like you, you can't just get the right ideas. It's got to be. A, it's got to actually affect your your life. Um, I don't know either Gus or Anne, how how you bounce off that and what and kind of like because it, it, for me certainly it's a discussion that has been framed by engaging with this book again, but. But for either of you, how do you bounce off that thing of what does it mean for us to be like Jesus and and uh, this thing of the difference between getting the right ideas and actually living it out? Yeah, well, I, I must admit when I saw that that um, that little Venn diagram, and you know I like a good Venn diagram, and the one word descriptors under it I found actually quite helpful because um, it sort of strikes me that there's bit of risk in getting unbalanced in any of those areas mm. and I you know you talked about the reformation and the, the whole understanding and trying to understand the truth thing I probably my mind didn't go to that it went more to some more current you know social media there's lots of examples of where people jump in and they think they're they're putting a Christian perspective or you know saying what God believes about something or whatever but in some ways, that's a very dogmatic, one-dimensional, you know, argument about the truth, as however the truth that person interprets it. And mm. the thing that that really misses is the behaviour, which is the way, you know, well, is that actually how you're supposed to be living? Is that how you're supposed to treat other people? Is that really a good way to, you know, go mm. about it? And then the other side is, you know, the other one was life. Does that actually build relationships? Does it, you know, mm. reinforce them? Does it strengthen them? Does it 
you know, does it do all those positive growing things or does it actually damage? And clearly, if you take a very hard line on something like what you believe is the truth and really prosecute that in a dogmatic fashion, then mm. you can do heaps of damage in the other two areas. And that's why I actually quite liked it. You know, your, your point was Jesus came and explained, you know, even when he talked, opened the Bible to people, the Old Testament to the people of his day, it wasn't just that they understood you know, the actual meaning of it, they, un- they had to understand what is the response, like how does that impact how they're supposed to go about it? And then, you know, love others as you love yourself type thing, the relationship side. So, yeah, I quite liked it. I'd never actually thought of it. It's a very simple line that we always all know, you know, mm. I am the way, the truth and the life. But just thinking about that in terms of balance of the difference of what those three things means, I found really helpful. Mm. And I didn't sort of, you know, it didn't make me think of the book, to be honest, the because there's other things in that. There's other things about balance in that that I, I know as well. You've been banging on about for a while, like mm. like Sabbath, for example. He's a big Absolutely. one on Sabbath. And, and I, you know, I, I was sitting there thinking about this. And I was thinking, oh, can I just call it Sabbath if if I if I take an hour off on Tuesday night and then two hours on Saturday and a couple of hours on Sunday? Can I call that? You know, is that enough? Have I done enough there? And it's like that's my whole mo is to try and you know rationalise little things that, you know, seem okay, does that actually foot, foot the bill? And it doesn't really. So, you know, that's what it made me think of. That's why I can get a bit unbalanced if I don't actually think of those three things properly. Yeah, I, I, I only, I've only just recently realised this way, truth, life thing. I don't know. And how, how do you bounce off what, what Gus is talking about? Well, it's interesting because I mentioned before we went live that I've been re-watching The Chosen and... Um, what I'm finding interesting on the second watching is the way Jesus called these people, these ordinary people to follow him, follow me. Hmm. And the ones who followed left what they were doing and followed him. It was really quite radical, quite dramatic because they, um, they, the way he behaved, the things he said, hmm. um, were so um, they were convinced that the only thing they could do was to follow his way and actually walk where he was going to walk. Mm. And they didn't know from day to day where the next place was necessarily going to be. They they didn't know how long they were going to be in a place and so forth. Um, all they could do was trust him and learn from him along the way. But the other thing I find interesting is that um, they've got a lot of ideas about what they think he should be doing, hmm. where he should be, who he should be with, and um, they make sure he knows all about it too. And he has this lovely way of saying, well, mm, no, not quite not quite yet. That's not the right time. Or I'll, I'll give you more information, but you're not ready for it yet. Um, and so forth. And, or there's somebody I want to meet and you'll just have to wait and see. And so most of the time they spend their time thinking, I don't understand what's going on. Hmm. Um, and is it just me? And then they, they realise, well, actually, no, it's every single one of them. Sometimes they get a glimpse of what it is and why they're there. And they think, why has he chosen me? Why ask me to follow him? Um, because of their expectations. And I think Jesus... He wants us to follow him too. He says, follow me. Hmm. And we often second guess, why me? And um, and why aren't you taking me in this place or doing this with me? Or why aren't you listening to what I'm suggesting? Because I think I've got things pretty um, well understood here. And I love the way he just takes us at the pace that we can take. But it's hard to be, remember that all the time. Yeah. And, Anne, there's a funny thing. If you sort of think of that, you know, follow me, that simple hmm. you know, request really, and, you know, yeah. are you willing to, are you ready to, if you link that back into the elimination of hurry, you know, my immediate response is, okay, hang on, just hang on a sec. I'll be with you in a minute, you know. <laughs> not, I just got some stuff I need to sort out. I'll, I'll get there shortly. And that can take a while and that can take a decade. It could take half a lifetime. I mean, yeah. how silly is that, you know, like... Yes. How do we think we are the people to tell Jesus what the right time is? I mean, yeah. that's natural. That's, that's but we do. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's the problem. 
and, and this, it really gets to the point of it. And I think really for me, the wrestle with what I, I love our church to be about, about a bunch of people actually following Jesus. But it, it's one thing to say that. And, it's, it's a, and, and it would be different if you could just wear a T-shirt and say, I'm a, I'm a, I follow Jesus and get a bumper sticker and, and then just get about your life. That would be one thing. But it, it seems like the disciples had to drop what they were doing and go and, go and do it. You know, and it wasn't. It's not like a. It's it's absolutely true. Jesus met every each and every one of them where they were at, and then he said, "Follow me." Yeah, but what I also like, um, I actually have found a lot of insights just by watching it, um, this show. And there was one where it was Peter's wife who got left behind, so she mm. didn't. Her life didn't change. She except that her husband wasn't around as often as he had been. Hmm. And sometimes when we're called to follow Jesus, it on the outside it looks like not much changes. Hmm. So sometimes he asks for quite radical change and sometimes he doesn't. Um, not everybody got called to drop everything. Others had other purposes. But he works with each of us. Yes, yeah, so certainly the physical in where you're up to, but I, I wonder, I wonder about whether how, I don't know. Well, this thing of this is the verse I quoted, uh, sort of as part of this. This is a this whole thing of training and um, and Timothy it says have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, one Timothy four seven, rather train yourself to be godly. For physical training is some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. I think, and this thing of, and by the way, if for those who are watching online, we'd love to get your input as we go, um, because because we don't get to be, be live all that often, so there's a chance, a unique chance to ch chuck your two cents worth in. But I, there, I think I think there's this tension. I think it's absolutely true. Jesus meets us where we're at, and he doesn't always ask us to move to Uzbekistan or to go and. But but I also don't think. I just, the more I get to see him and the more I get to, you know, read, you know, the, what it means to love people or what it means mm -hmm. to have peace or, you know, the more I realise I am not accidentally going to do that. Like I've, yeah. I've actually got to make some choices about my lifestyle and how I live my life if I'm going to take that seriously. I don't know. How do you guys bounce yeah, off that? No, I accept that. I accept that you can, it's not just physical. It is, it is the way you, the way you work in relationship with others. It is how you think about things and where you put your values and um, how you, and where you listen or how you listen to the truth that Jesus and his spirit wants to to give us, yes, most definitely. And as we're open to those things and are willing to go where he wants to take us, um, yeah, even though physically we may not change where we are, <laughs> mm. it can be very painful in terms of changing things. Well, well it's interesting because I don't want to, uh, I think one of, the, one of the things I also realised in myself is I realise I can be the worst salesman for the world in the world of Christianity where it makes it sound like come, <laughs> come and have a horrible time because <laughs> I, I think uh, the I think Dallas Willard said the cost of discipleship is extremely high but nowhere near as the cost of not discipleship which is like so because I think it, it can be painful okay like, like there is a growth sort of thing I don't know Gus how do you bounce off this discussion yeah, I mean, I think just going back to Jan's sort of point about, you know, may or may not involve radical change, I look at it a bit like your image. And, and just through. by the way, when you said Jan, I think you meant Anne. But Anne, okay. sorry, sorry, Jan. Yeah. Sorry, Anne. Jan. It's okay, not a problem. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, when I think, it made me think of the that image of the tree map that you use quite a bit with, you know, the roots and the trunk and the branches and the, yeah. sometimes the outward, you know, the fruit might not change massively or, you know, what you're actually doing like your job or your family or those some of those things might not change or might, might not change quickly some of that's a real work in progress that takes time but I still think there is a fundamental attitudinal change that happens within you know at the base that has to change and it's that thing about you know are you going to stop 
slow down, stop hurrying, listen, you know, who's got control of the wheel? Are you actually prepared to, to let Jesus, you know, actually take control, like not just in word, but in actual, you know, in, in here? And mm. to me, Jan, Anne, sorry, not Jan, I keep thinking. Cause you can call me whatever you like. Anne. <laughs> yeah, Anne is my name. Yep, it, go on. It's it sort of... Um, I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. Yeah, it it that means that if you don't have a change of, you know, priority and a change of, you know, you know, what's the basis I'm trying to get all this right? Because, I mean, a lot of us spend a lot of our lives trying to get our relationships right enough and, you know, our priorities and our money and all those things. Mm -hmm. we, we put effort into it. It's not, you know, I don't think a lot of us are just completely frivolous about the way we go about it. But the fundamental underpinning bit of it needs to be guided by, you know, what's God saying? You know, by the example of Jesus and through the work of the Holy Spirit, not what do I think is the best idea. And for me, that's fairly, that's quite challenging because, you know, most of what I do is on a very sort of, you know, thought out rational sort of basis. I try and plan things out and do them, but I'm sort of feel like I'm being asked to just suspend all that for a little bit and use a different set of, you know, guiding principles. And they're hard to grasp because I have to sit and be still and listen and soak it in and, you know, do something much more contemplative than just getting on and, you know, getting busy. So, yeah, that's why I find it is a fairly fundamental difference of approach, but it sort of starts on the inside and it's a bit of an inside-out piece of work. Mm. Yeah. And there's a there's that verse um, in the book of Romans that um, Paul wrote um, at Chapter 8, I think, or is it? Well, I'm sure one of you can tell me, maybe it's 12, about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And what, that's a continual thing so that what we expose ourselves to, if we mm. are reading God's word, listening for his, you know, him to speak into our lives, if we're um, making ourselves available in the, um, to be met by Jesus, then that transformation of the way we think and how we behave and how we um, respond to other people and to, to Jesus um, slowly changes. So we can become more like him. We can start putting our feet where he put his and mm. um, and so forth. But, uh, yes, it does, as you said, Matt, that, that aspect of training and apprenticeship and um, it means being willing to put in the the hard yards or to make the time. It, it, and, and one of the things I found helpful in the book was when he talked about spiritual, this Ruthless Elimination Home mm -hmm. book, he talked about spiritual disciplines and he described it as the, the bits of Jesus' life where he's not saying this is what you should do, but it's where the church have looked at how Jesus lived his life, the bits in between the red letters mm -hmm. and, and said, oh, well, Jesus did this, we should probably try and do that too and, this is, and try to emulate his life. And so things like Sabbath and prayer and, you know, having time, quiet retreats and giving money and all, all kinds of come out of that Jesus life. And I, and I don't know, and, and I, I, think, I think what I was trying to communicate on Sunday was the, these things, these spiritual disciplines are the things that help you do what you couldn't do by direct effort, like you can't choose to run a marathon that you just like you can't really choose to take on Jesus' character. You can't. It's not the Holy Spirit's not going to zap you, and all of a sudden you're going to be a different person. That there's a, there's lots of little choices you make, and and I I think I've realised in myself because reading, but like Leanne and I, I said on Sunday, I guess we'll say it here too. Like Leanne, and I had a big Barney a couple of weeks ago. Um, She's happy for me to say that publicly, uh, and and it was a bit of a a bit of a wake up call for both of us. We sort of realised, wow, you know, how does this, you know, how how are we doing? <laughs> and as part of that, I've been reading back over my journals, and I've realised how all over the shop my emotional world can, has been, can be, uh, and how and and how I really kept looking for the the idea, like that I was going to look for like the the idea that would fix things or the, the, the mountaintop moment, the spiritual experience, the sp listening to the speak and have someone pray for me or I was, I was looking for something to help me grow up and become like Jesus and become more mature and stuff. But 
but it, it was actually it's been this it's been the little stuff it's been the the discipline stuff like it's been getting up early and having a quiet time uh it's been walking you know regularly with my wife and it's been listening to books it's been journaling it's been keeping like i wouldn't say i'm a the world's best prayer, but it's kept working on ways of like, praying the Psalms and memorizing stuff. I don't know, how do you guys bounce off that? This is like, so we're talking a bit about you know training, becoming like Jesus. But I think I think what I'm saying is this this you know training yourself to be godly bit uh, and living Jesus way. I think it takes lots of choices that often don't particularly feel good. But but actually, the stuff that actually changes your character, I think this is. So I'm, I'm tossing this out because I feel like this is really important. But it's not. I don't feel like I've. I don't feel like I've seen it as clearly as I. Ha I think I'm seeing it at the moment. I don't know. I mean, there's one thing that out of that that makes me think of a bit, Matt, and that's you know where do you go to for your inputs when you actually want to do a piece of work when you want to change or you want to grow or whatever, where do you go to get the things? And what you're describing is going for a lot of external sources, tools, you know, books, people, smart things, you know, going and finding something, you know, and I'm a bit, bit wired that way myself of, you know, who could I speak to? Where would I go? You know, where's this been done before? I'll just go and find that and, and get it and move on. But it's sort of interesting because he talks in, in, John Mark Comer talks a lot about Jesus' way of actually recharging is going to the Eremos, which is the wilderness. But mm. it's not the wilderness as in a void of nothing there. It's actually a space, place to meet with God and spend mm. time with God. Mm. And he actually comes out of back, you know, 40 days or 40 nights or whatever, you know, each time he comes back stronger and and renewed and with new insights and with a new message and, you know, unable to lead and all those things. So he's actually going there as a place to get the inputs and recharge and get the growth to happen. It's not by going to external sources and finding mm. something. It's by going and sitting with God. And, you know, again, that's another, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, quite an extroverted sort of person. So, you know, I find it quite uh, draining to spend a lot of time cut off from people and, and stimuli. And so spending time, you know, a bit disconnected from the world is not really a very, it's not a mm. go-to place for me. It's not something I would do. And so, you know, I feel that in, in that book, I'm being challenged. Well, don't think of it as going to somewhere and sitting in a quiet room. Go there and actually really spend time you know, yeah. with Jesus and learn. But because it can be such a quiet space and it can be such a, you know, um, what would you call it? It's very, you know, it's, it's the antithesis of, of the worldly space, which we've made super busy and, you know, so much going on. You can have 10 different things going on at one time, you know, stimuli coming in to cut all that off and go somewhere and just be there listening to the spirit is really hard for me. And so, you know, I feel like my source of getting those corrections and that sort of guidance and that sort of growth is actually, you know, it's just not something I naturally go to. So I just need to, I need to be able to do that better. I've got two thoughts buzzing around in my head um, and I think part of it is um, what what really um, I remember hearing somebody say, "What is it that stirs your passion? If you like, what is it that um, gives you a you know fire in your belly?" And because when when something really matters to you, when you get passionate about something, um, yes, you might have to persevere and do some hard work for whatever it is that you're passionate about. But it comes more easily because you were you're actually willing to put the hard yards in because mm. you're committed to what it is, um, and or you love it or you love your, your spouse, so you're going to put the hard work you're going to put the hard work in or um, you know whatever it happens to be you know maybe you've always wanted to be this or do that or something and and so you'll you'll commit to it and. If you if you if you haven't got the interest in the first place, if it doesn't burn inside you, in some form or fashion, then no matter how hard you try, I think you'll always find excuses for, um, oh, I can't do that today. I've got to do something else, or 
whatever it happens to be. So that's one thing. So I guess the question is, how much do you actually want to follow Jesus? How, how passionate are you about going his way, about his love, about learning to love as he loves, to, um, to see the world as he sees the world? to live the life that he, the abundant life that he promises. Um, so that's part of, I, I do think that's part of it, that if we really are keen, it, yes, we're going to get, we're going to fall flat on our face. Heavens above, the number of times I've fallen flat on my face are far too many in terms of my commitment and all of that. But there's a there's something that keeps drawing me back and wanting to jump into his word and, and pray and whatever else. So I think um, that's part of it. What is it that sets you alight, if you like, or what would you like to set you alight and your name for it? And then the other thing is oftentimes we focus on what we're not good at. Um, it's like instead of what we're good at, we're like, where are our strengths? And God knows our strengths. Do you know what I mean? It's not that it's an excuse for not, um, working in those areas that need work. But sometimes we overlook those areas of our life that Jesus says, wow, <laughs> I really like what you're doing there and I've made you just like that. This is the kind of person you are. Um, now, we'll just, we just need to work a little bit more on a few areas, you know, and over time we'll get there because you're following me. I'm, I'm your example. You're living with me. You're doing everything and you'll be the person that God made you to be, that reflects his image within you, that it will be the way you were made. And also it's the spirit that will make it possible. It's my spirit walking with you, me walking with you, that will make that all happen. So it's not just us on our own either. So I hope that made sense. I'm not sure if it did, but... Yeah, well, I, I want to. I think I want to push back a little, or ask this. Like, well, I guess what's the place of spiritual discipline in that? Is, is I guess the question I want to ask. Like, and similarly as, oh, I just, and I just lost you. I think. Oh, here we go. I've seen you. I, I, I don't know what I just did. You you popped off and, and then came back. And now I'm back on the other side. <laughs> um, I want to. I want to. Like, and I was thinking too about like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg a bit? Because there's a whole lot of work done. Around marriages and how, and how basically, um, in order to feel in love with your wife, you've actually got to hang out with her, and invest in her, and spend. You know, there's a, and and often the the feelings follow the the actions rather than the other way around. Like, and I, and I think what has really got me challenged. This is, uh, is I've, I've just come back from reading um, 25 years with the journals and if I've got to trust my feeling world, I'm in real trouble. Yeah. Like I'm, my feeling world is all over the shop, um, is, is, would be the truth. Uh, but I would so expect I, that if, if at the very start of things, something about Leanne attracted you to her. There's no question about that yeah so that there was already a spark of something that then you were prepared to work on and and kind of yes you have to work and it's more than just feelings absolutely but also there's there's this little spark of something that yeah I, I, I think i'm wanting to interrogate this thing of so at what level do we sort of sit back and say well this is just me i i, I this is how mm -hmm. god made me uh, and at, to what level do I need to put in the the, the yards to? And a lot of it isn't so much personality stuff. Like I don't like getting up in the morning, and my personality is like I'm not really a morning person. But uh, it's it's made a big difference in my relationship with God when I have. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. I, I want to toss this stuff around. I just had a message from Wendy Cullies that said. I find we know what's important. Find those things, and then some, somehow they die down again. Even spiritual disciplines. What is it that keeps us going with the energy required to keep going? Marriage too. I'm reading back over journals. How many times do? Uh, and then I missed out. 
do we go over the same lessons? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How do, how do we times do we go over the same lessons? Mm -hmm. um, uh, oh, I think that's a great question. Because mm -hmm. so, honestly, a lot of the stuff that I now am implementing in my life, I wrote that I, I needed to do 25 years ago. Well, I find that the last bit of that question from Wendy is quite, it's a good starting point. How many times do you have to go over the same lessons? Well, many times actually is, is unfortunately <laughs> the answer. That's certainly been my experience. And it makes me think of Malcolm Gladwell. So I don't read an awful lot, but it is one of the few authors that I've read a few books and I love the, the book Blink. And he talks about how much persistence and how much effort it takes to actually get really good at something. And oftentimes we sort of con ourselves into thinking, oh, I, I heard something today. I learned something. I read it in a book. Matt said it on Sunday, whatever it is done i'll move on i'll get on with life but actually to actually embed something as a change if it does mean a change of you know how you're going to go about things or how you think about things or whatever you know it doesn't very often for, certainly not for me it doesn't stick by you know learning a lesson or hearing something once or having a go at it once i don't get very good at it hmm. it takes multiple multiple times and like you said before and um you know you, you fall over many times hmm. and sometimes well actually most of the time around the same things you know i think the things mm -hmm. that i stumble over are things that i stumble over regularly and have done for a long time and that's a bit you know i feel disappointed or a bit embarrassed saying that but it just means that i don't feel i'm a very good learner sometimes because mm. you're having to learn the same lesson over and over and it's not mm -hmm. until i somehow am able to put that into a practice and you know that's where that word discipline you know must surely yeah, come in that it takes you know takes some concerted effort and and, you know, admitting that my way of doing things is not always going to get me the result that I want. Mm. And I think, um, you know, what you were saying, Matt, about some of these changes take a lot of time because mm. it is about repetition. I remember when I was learning how to touch type, um, you know, I really um, I really wanted to learn. I was motivated to learn mm. to, you know, for lots of reasons. Um, but to begin with, I was so, you know, it was so clumsy. I was so clumsy. I was aware of, was always looking at the key and then where my hands were. And and over time, my fingers got to know, but it took a long time. <laughs> yeah. My fingers got to know where they were on the on the keypad. And um, and over time, I don't even have to think about where the letter is anymore. I can just type the letter. And I, I understand that for some people, they actually just, they don't even think letters. They think words and it's there. Um, but that takes years and years. It takes a lot of repetition to learn and then it takes practice to maintain. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, there's certainly that that repetition is important, but there's a there's also a, a desire to to learn in the first place and a desire to... Yeah. And, and a desire to maintain. And I think um, if we want to sit at the feet of our... Uh, Jesus, Jesus' feet, if you like, and learn, then we have to be willing that we actually, actually is something we need to want to do. But the other thing, um, I haven't long had a little grand, some grandchildren in my life, and it's been wonderful to watch them. And they want to learn how to talk or walk or whatever. And you see how the motivation's there, but... They keep falling over, or they don't even they don't even get up to begin with, and these sounds come out of their mouth, and you can't make any sense of it, and there's all this frustration. But over time, they get the hang of it, and then um, mm. they get the pleasure of what happens as they get the hang of it, and and so forth. Now they still tumble, when even though they might walk okay, they still tumble every now and again. In fact. Here I am, <laughs> and I still take a tumble or two every now and again. And um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, it's just, and I think the other thing is we need other people in our lives who will help us. And I think part of what Jesus did, he made a, he's given us a community that he calls his body. And um, there, and he, like he had followers and they weren't just one follower. There yeah. were more than one, and he wanted them to work together. Now, sometimes that didn't happen very well just because of who they were and the way the push-pull happened, but um, 
part of growing and learning and becoming more like Jesus is to share with others who want to be like him too. Yes. And being, and being honest in that journey. And so that when we do fall up, fall over, trip up, they're there to help us get up again. And we're there to help them too and encourage them and all of that. Absolutely. I, I, at a purely secular level, so we talk about this, they talk about mirror neurons and the idea that you become like the people you hang around. And uh, apparently the best weight, weight loss strategy is to have skinny friends, similarly kind of. <laughs> um, but, but we also, this thing of training you're talking about, learning to walk, these are some of the things people said that they, uh, ha they can now do fairly easily because they spent time training. Uh, and uh, I, find, I, I only noticed today that one of, someone wrote down kissing in there. Um, which I don't know how they've trained to be a good kisser, but there you go. Um, I've got a whole lot of driving is the main one, reading, socialising, walking, sharing faith. A lot of different. We had like 50 different responses, which was fantastic. But I guess we, like, we need to draw things to a close. We've been going for a little bit. Um, I, I guess what are, what are we left with this whole thing of the connection between training, spiritual disciplines, being like Jesus, what's your, what, I guess what does it mean for you? What, is it, what, what, what do you think it means for us? Because it feels like this is a, there's other stuff we talked about, but this was kind of the, the, the nub of what we're trying to talk about on Sunday. And it, and it does feel like the, the nub of the, the journey, like if in Ephesians 4 it says the purpose of the church is to help people become mature and not tossed around on the waves like a cork. Is Ephesians for the picture of charity. I I feel like all this stuff is related to that. It's all it's it's all this this question. Of what does it mean to help us grow up and and what does it mean? What is this these disciplines and even the thing of going off to the Aramos? I, I I don't. I'm not ready to go off and have a forty day fast. I'm I'm, I'm not really. I, I, it took me a while to build up to have a like to fast half a day and then. Then eventually, I fasted for a, a full week at one time. But it, there was it was it was it was a gradual process. I think I think maybe that Aramos thing is is part of a you know it's a we shouldn't expect ourselves necessarily to be comfortable just by in our own company with God straight away. It's something you work up to. And maybe that's part of the discipline stuff too. I don't. At that point, I'll stop roboting on uh, and I'd just throw it back to you guys. What, what as we draw things to a close? What what do you what what's What's your gut feel as to what all this stuff means for us? <clears throat> My mind's gone blank, Matt. Um... Well, I have one thing, I suppose, Matt, that you know I feel that's come to me in recent weeks. It was probably out of a conversation we had some weeks ago on a Wednesday, and I guess I, you know, I was thankful that I think it was. God, the Spirit, showed me that I I don't really learn and I don't really listen and I, I can't really grow particularly well when I make an assumption that I've got the right answer when I know best. Yeah. And so, so you know, I was thinking about that, even that little word, gram, whatever they're called, you know, there's things that I've got better at over the years by doing, you know, on, over and over again. I'm quite good at pruning because I've pruned lots of things and I've done it and they've gone badly and I've, so I've worked out oh that's not that doesn't work well and now I know a better way to do it so I'm, I can do that quite repeatedly or repeatedly but you know I never started with the assumption that I knew what to do an area you talk about falling over regularly and you know an area where I regularly don't do what I would like to be able to do and that is to be a good listener without jumping in and trying to give solutions mm -hmm. and and helping people solve their problems because I don't know the, the difference between giving a solution and you know just journeying with someone on their journey to find a solution. I'm just not that good at it. So I do that quite repeatedly and, you know, I'm married and I have kids and, and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And that's an area where, mm. you know, and that's me. And I think it's because I make this instant assumption, you know, I know best. And so I, yeah, I know the answer to that. I, that's pretty obvious to me. It's, you know, pretty clear. And so I'll jump in and do it. But, uh, you know, I think 
God's saying to me, this is one thing I'm being challenged about is, well, don't use that as your starting assumption because there's not a lot I can do with that once, you, once you're there. It's, mm. You know, you've taken control. Mm. Um, and so I, you know, need to be able to, in that moment, just sort of, you know, ask for, for guidance, ask for resources and put my own, um, you know, knowledge base aside for at least a moment. Yeah. And if that's then the thing that's to bring an answer, great get it back online you know that's what you know Brene Brown often talks about having different things you know you put it offline for a minute and then you've got to be back online because it's that's what you need to you know your fight or flight or whatever it is well knowing when to to do that but when to you know disengage yeah. your own you know thought process that's that's a, that's a hard thing for me I think a different um there'll be things that happen and sometimes I feel I'm much more attuned to um, following Jesus than I am at other times. Hmm. Um, but I've just recently, um, I'm coming back to a question, where are you? Hmm. And I think God often asks us, where are you? Hmm. And sometimes, and I think sometimes that, that the answer for that changes for me, depending on where I am in my life at any one time. Um, but I think it's a really important question that we're prepared to um, ask ourselves. And it, it also requires self-honesty. And oftentimes, well, that's that can be really hard, that you're willing to be honest and, and lay it out um, and ask Jesus and ask the Spirit of God to help you even where you've got... And sometimes it's not even that you don't want to be honest. Sometimes you've just got blinkers or biases mm. that stop you from actually seeing where you are and and asking that Jesus will help you to through the spirit to actually understand and see mm. see what's where, where see what's what so you can actually get a sense of where you're at and then ask myself okay am I happy with where I am is that where I want to be is that where mm. God wants me to be um and and then as part of the question there's another really important question and it is what do you want what do you want mm. so where are you and what do you want and sometimes we just have to say sometimes that we i think we have to um realign ourselves sometimes with where jesus is by asking those questions and then seeking the help of other people sometimes to, to get us where we need to, we would like to be and, and um, being who we want to be and doing and so forth and achieving what we think is what we want um, and that we believe is affirming of where Jesus wants us. Um, yeah, and sometimes it is about trusting the Holy Spirit and working through his word. Mm. Um, but, but the two go together. And I know for me that that's, that's been a pattern through my life and it will continue, <laughs> continue to be a pattern for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I find that both those things really helpful and I think that's sort of it's really quite a nice place to start the landing. That really it comes down to like... All the ideas in the world are pretty useless if you don't think you need them. And um, this this question of where are you, this, that fundamentally is just you're saying, there's, there's a humility that that is required to say, oh, I might, like if, if, I, if my starting point is I've got it together, uh, that you, you're probably not going to get real far on the whole thing mm -hmm. of following Jesus because you probably don't need him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I, I think it's interesting when in the writer of Hebrews talks about Hebrews 12, he says, uh, running the race marked out for us with our eyes fixed on Jesus. There's this sense in which there is a race marked out for you, but that Jesus is a few steps ahead. And if, and if you're kind of comfortable with where you are, probably that's unhealthy. But it, it is, there's, a, there's a relief for me in it too, in that I, because if I, if I was to think that my experience of my spiritual life and my maturity and was as far as I was going to get. I, I think that would be sad. Like mm -hmm. I think I feel like I feel like there's more life to be had. More, 
more joy to be had, more mm. wholeness to be had. Mm. Yeah, and just before I finish, I think the other thing is to, um, you know, we Jesus says he's the good shepherd and that he will go after the one that's not part of his flock, that's that's lost their way, if you like. They've uh, they've taken the wrong turn or, or whatever. Um, and he goes out and looks for them to bring them back. So all the time he knows yeah. where we are. Yeah. And we can trust him with that. Yeah. And Absolutely. even when we're not sure or we're feeling a bit confused or um, whatever is going on, he knows. Yes. And he's he's got it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the beautiful thing we've got to keep in mind because the danger is I, I can start to feel hopeless and stuff. But to remember, it's okay, Jesus, Jesus knows you, he loves you, and he's not beating you up for not being where you're not. You know, it's not, it's not, he, there is grace. Yeah, and and it is it's a beautiful picture. He, I, he's got our his eyes fixed on us as our eyes are fixed on him. I think. Yeah. Any any final thoughts as we wrap it up? Just uh, you going to say something? No, 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 no. There's there's plenty of room for to be doing it better, Matt. There's no oh yeah, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, that's that's been a really helpful conversation. Thank you both for jumping in. I, I'm enjoying this. These each week we have sort of a mixture of personalities. Last week we had uh, uh, Chris Chris Gillespie uh, joined us, and uh, and it was and that and that was a great discussion too. So. I might just uh, actually just close in prayer for people as they're listening to this. So, so Jesus, we just ask for those who are listening to this, watching this, uh, that I guess all of us will be able to ask the questions that Anne asked. Where are you and where do you want to be? Uh, and I guess there's this third question, Jesus, where do you want us to be? Where where, where, where are you inviting us to, beckoning us to, and, and help us? do the honest work of facing where we might need to be implementing some changes, some, some disciplines uh, to, to grow and not just keep going with business as usual. We need your help for that, please, Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you both very much. I'm going to press end stream, so that means for all those online, uh, thank you for being with us. And we'd, we'd value even a little later on, if you've been watching this recorded, we'd love to hear what you reckon and uh, how you're working out the whole thing of uh, being like Jesus. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Anne. <laughs> Bye. See you.